0: Welcome to the night of the questionable decisions on pro wrestling, especially when it comes to NXT and AEW Dynamite, but I'm going to talk about the show that I talk about every single week, AEW Dynamite, and in all honesty, I thought while I was watching the show that it was a relatively weak one in comparison to all the other Dynamites that we had this year. But it, without a doubt, picked up towards the end, and at the end of the night, I said I quite enjoyed the show, but without a doubt, there was a lot of segments, there was a lot of times where I thought, oh, it could have been better. And let's talk about how the show was open and it was opened by Taz cutting a promo saying that finally Ricky Starks and Brian Cage are in the rankings together and they will be the next TNT champion, one of them but at first Brian Cage need to go through war by defeating the man who once defeated Chris Jericho Matt Sidell putting over Matt Sidell but also putting over Brian Cage and here we go Brian Cage versus Matt Sidell and I and a lot of people were very afraid that this is going to be a squash match. And surprisingly, it wasn't a five-minute match. It wasn't a seven-minute match. It was around 12-minute match, which showcased the abilities of Matt Sidell perfectly. It was more of a PWG-style match with Matt Sidell showing incredible high-flying maneuvers, but also Brian Cage reversing and performing great heavy strikes and also some incredible agility of his. But overall, it was a great showing of Matt Seidel. I really thought he was a stand-up star of this match. He, his kicks were deadly. His performance was great. And he had some great spots in this match, like... The meteor outside of the ring, like spitting kicks, had just his will kicks they were incredible. But the match ended after he tried to go for a swanton bomb, and Brian Cage caught him in the mid air, ended him with his finisher, and this is this was it, one two, three. And I thought, surprisingly, holy shit, it was a very fun match that they gave right amount of time, they put over Matt Sidell, who's yet to sign with AW, but also, they put over Brian Cage massively in this war. So yeah, it was a great decision. And after this, we had a segment with Cody Rhodes. How can this go wrong, and uh, it did, it, it, it did unfortunately for me personally. Cody had come to the ring, started in a promo saying that, Congratulations, Darby, you beat me clean, but I'm not gonna go for a rematch just yet. I'm gonna wait and see, but before I'm gonna fight against Darby, I wanna fight against MJF, and here he got cut off by Jade Cargill, I wanna say. I really don't know her second name, I really don't fucking know who she is. And she cut it... One hell of a goddamn long, awfully boring promo. Like literally, she was talking for about five minutes. How Cody's not a giant killer, making a dick jokes. This was a bullet points of her promo. It seemed like because it was so watery, there was no punchline. There was no meaning to it. Only a couple of dick jokes, only saying that Cody's not a giant killer, only saying that hey, you know who's actual giant killer? It's Shaquille O'Neal, or at least she said Shuck. And then Brandy Rose came out and cut her a promo of her own, which was actually intense, which was actually fiery, fast-paced, which I thought was really good. And I checked the comment on Reddit that said... Did AEW just decided to put the worst and the best women's promo in the same segment? I was like, yeah, maybe they did. Uh, overall, it was a shitty segment in my opinion. Yes, Brenda Rhodes picked it up, but their awfully long promo from Jade and the fact that we might get rivalry between Shaquille O'Neal and Cody doesn't give me any any hope at all because i understand you didn't have an opportunity to do mike tyson versus chris jericho so you decided to bring shaq who is a giant and put him against in your own words a giant killer i totally get it i totally get the idea behind it i just don't think that i or the big part of fan base of aw really wants to see a celebrity match one more time in AEW, unless it's a professional fighter, because celebrities usually don't work in pro wrestling. Yes, we have Pat McAfee who did great against Adam Cole, yes we have Steven Amell who did great at All In against Christopher Daniels, and in WWE with this weird one Neville and Stardust program, does anybody remember this? Yeah, there were weird times, right? But overall, celebrities in pro wrestling doesn't really strike as necessity, it strike like a desperation. And I don't think AEW needs to be desperate. I think the rivalry between Shaq and Cody, which will lead to, for say, a revolution match against Shaq and Cody, would be a mistake, if Shaq will represent Someone uh, uh some new talent to AEW as his client, then maybe it will work, but I don't really see this happening. I see Cody versus Shaq, either special edition of Dynamite, like Beach Break or December 2nd episode of Dynamite, What we're we gonna see John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. Forget about Shaq, forget about this feud. Nobody wants to see this, but the fact that we all want to see is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. And they're going to do this on Dynamite. And that's a big surprise to me. Yes, we have a long way to go until Revolution February 27th. But come on, putting this match on Dynamite. ooh, That's going to be interesting. And I really cannot wait. And they're going to have a long time to build it up. And I'm already so hyped. And that John Moxley promo when he said that anyone could beat him in the ring, but it's sure as hell not gonna be Kenny Omega because he's gonna try so hard, but he will fail. Just hypes me up even more. Him referencing back to their Full Gear last year match where he won in a Lights Out match was a nice touch. But we're gonna talk about a nice touch a little bit later on on the show. Because we're gonna have Kenny Omega and Alex Marves interview down the line, which was surprisingly very good. But before we're gonna talk about the good stuff, let's talk about more questionable stuff. Remember at the beginning I said it was relatively disappointing, relatively weak episode of Dynamite? Well, while I was watching the show, I really cut myself bored from time to time, and it all started with this Cody Jade segment promo, but then it transformed into this Natural Nightmares versus Butcher and Blade match, bunkhouse match, and it was. It was fine, I understand it's more of an old school type of match, that's why it was more brutal but at the same time much more slower in comparison to some other hardcore brutal matches. And I'm absolutely fine with this brutal match being slower paced, much more methodical, but it should be brutal enough to make me invested. And even though this match had some very good spots like Blade beating, QT with a guitar and after this shot QT needed to blade himself so much that even Cody would be proud QT jumping from uh, from a very high ladder with his great elbow drop on blade who somehow get himself bladed Huh, what an irony and he bladed so fucking much that QT and Cody would be jealous there was another great spot with uh, Dustin Rhodes doing this bulldog from a stage onto some box... box shit? I don't know, that they built for this match especially, and as you can hear, I'm praising this match quite a bit, I'm saying that there was quite a few interesting spots, but overall, it was way too long, and there was not enough brutal stuff to really make me invest throughout the beginning till the end of the show, of this match. Because to every cool segment, there was two relatively slow, relatively boring, methodical parts of this match. And as I said, I could have enjoyed this if there would be a nice payoff. But to wait until this nice payoff would come, you needed to wait quite a bit. And I was a little bit disappointed. But towards the end... The match picked up itself, with QT finally going on this rampage, hitting uh, DDT's stunner, DDT's uh, cutter, and ending the match while he dragged Blade to the cutter position, hitting a cutter, once or 3 natural nightmares, surprisingly for some people won. I expected them to win because you need to push. Baby faces to win from time to time, plus it will lead to the idea that Eddie Kingston doesn't really care about anyone apart from Pentagon. But once again, we're gonna talk about this down the line in our main event. But before this, we had MJF being included and Wardlow being included into the inner circle, and I thought this segment was. Fine. Uh, it had some cool moments. It has some fun moments, like MJF parodying Donald Trump by saying that he had only a small amount of one million dollars in his pocket while he started. I really enjoyed the fact that Ortiz is still not a fan of MJF and still doesn't want him to see, doesn't want to see him in the inner circle. I like some parts of it, but overall. I don't think it delivered enough to make me hyped for the next week Vegas edition of Inner Circle Go to Vegas. I thought there was some fun stuff as I said, but overall it was it was relatively weak. Something that I already said quite quite a few times during this dynamite review, and I'm gonna say it again because next match was Sean Spears vs Scorpio Sky. As you expected, probably, it was pretty slow. Sean Spears trying to work his typical mentality, his typical 80s style of wrestling. But it was exactly what I expected from this match. It was Sean Spears most of the time being in control, trying to put Scorpio Sky away with his 80s style of wrestling, being a heelish heel and Scorpio Sky having a, uh, fiery comebacks from time to time, hitting some great drop kicks, hitting some great moves that would bring crowd right on the feed, and then once again to Sean Spears controlling the match. Typical stuff, typical, typical stuff, but not bad. Was it very entertaining? No. But it was never meant to be. It's a Sean Spears match, you know exactly what you're gonna get, so... Why be disappointed if you can expect exactly this? It had some nice segments, how I said, uh, with Scorpio Sky's comebacks, with Sean Spears hitting Scorpio Sky onto the still steps, not bad, and ending the match surprisingly because I thought Scorpio Sky will pick up the victory, getting another babyface uh, moment for the show, but surprisingly, no, Sean Spears grab this metal, steel blade, put it in his glove, hit Scorpio Sky, and pin him. And you know what? I actually quite like this decision. I understand that Sean Spears is not everyone's cup of coffee, not everyone's cup of tea, not mine as well, but... I think he's gonna get his opportunity for TNT title down the line, he will be the next TNT champion, and... Then, to push the idea of Scorpius kind trying to get back on on Sean Spears and finally beating him, might be not a bad story, so I'm not fully against it. But we're gonna have to wait and see, will this happen? I think we're gonna see Sean Spears as the TNT champion, and maybe, just maybe, it will actually turn out to be good. Hopefully so. But let's talk about some good stuff. Kenny Omega's interview. At first, he didn't appear at the interview with Dasha because he just decided to go away from the show. But then Alex Marvas caught him on the streets near the parking lot. He took the interview, finally, and why I said it was very good interview because Kenny Omega said that he checked the rankings. Because he had this nostalgia feeling when he saw John Moxley and him at the ring. And he thought to himself, hmm, maybe actually faced against each other in a normal circumstance in a one on one match. But no, there was no rankings about this, there was no recollection about this. And their record in one on one matches against each other is still nil nil. And I was like, but. We definitely had a full gear last year match, Lights Out match. (gasps) Lights Out match, yes. And then I remember the episode of Dynamite where Joe Moxley confronted Tony Khan behind the closed doors and said, you want to make a Lights Out match? You wanna protect your golden boy, huh? You you don't wanna give him this loss on the record? Well, that's fine by me, because you're gonna wait and see what I'm gonna do to him. And now, long-term storytelling it actually pays off because Kenny Omega technically never lost to him in a one-on-one match because it was a lights-out match. And I thought to myself, what a great way to remind us about that match, but also to remind us about that Dynamite edition and how it all makes sense now. I really, really enjoyed this segment. After this we had Ty Conte versus Red Velvet and uh it was it was actually pretty good not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say it was fine because I really liked this match. Obviously their women's division is still what it is. It didn't change this week. We haven't seen Hikaru Shida. We haven't seen anyone from women's division apart from Ty Conte, Red Velvet and Anna Jay and Brenda Rhodes on the outside, but it was a pretty good match. Tyre showing off her jiu-jitsu skill and just her hard-hitting knee strikes and just her hard-hitting abilities, while Red Velvet trying to use her pace while Tyre was distracted by the outside interference or by her inability to actually put this match to rest. At one point of the match, uh, Ty Conte hit one of her finishing maneuvers, she couldn't pick up a victory, and Anna Jay decided to give Ty Conte a helping hand by giving her a chair. But Ty Conte refused, she wants to do it clean, she doesn't want to go for the hellish tactics, but because of this, Vid had an opportunity, her fiery comeback started, and I actually thought... Oh, will they give this victory to Red Velvet to push the idea that Tai Conti and Anna might not be friends for too long? Maybe it's the idea they're gonna go with and Red Velvet had a great fire comeback She nearly picked up a victory, but unfortunately for her it wasn't meant to be and Now Tai Conti picked up a victory after her performing her finishing maneuver Great stuff. I actually like this women's match and, yeah, I hope we're gonna see the actual continuation of this storyline, because Anna J and Ty Conti were a thing for quite some time, but they didn't bring it up with the Dark Order segments, they didn't bring it up for so long that I kind of forgot about it. And hopefully, hopefully, we're gonna see some progression in Women's Division. And we have an opportunity to do this, because... Something that I enjoyed this week on Dynamite. And something that I should have brought up way, way, way ago. Because the best point for this was Natural Nightmares and Butcher and the Blade match. Or at Sean Spears versus Scorpio Sky match. And it is that they finally start using Dark Clips for promotion to their matches. Or for build up for their matches. Because... Tony Khan admitted himself in the post Full Gear interview that he was very invested in uh, Nyla Rose and uh, a build, but he did a lot of this build on Dark, and he understands that only half of the audience actually watches Dark. And it's a right thing to do to finally bring this Dark clips to make us more invested into the storylines. For example, uh, Butcher and the Blade and Natural Nightmares feud was firing up on Dark because Natural Nightmares attacked Butcher and the Blade on Dark. Same goes for Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky. It's a Dark feud because we've seen on Dark Sean Spears basically stalking Scorpio Sky, trying to claim that Scorpio Sky is a thief. He's trying to steal his moment. And overall, you know, it all paid off. It made me more invested by showing me those clips before the match. I understood much more about this rivalry. And I think they can use it with the women's division as well, because they use Hikaru Shida quite a few times on Dark. They use other women's on dark and if they're gonna be able to bring them then on dynamite and bring back this uh, dark clips i think it will make women's division and overall a lot of feuds much more interesting and much more enjoyable because we're gonna be able to see the full picture good stuff but now it's time to talk about the main event of the night Ray Phoenix versus Panta El Zero And uh, before the match Eddie Kingston came out, said that he doesn't care about people, you don't need to chant my names. I will be the AW World champion, but let's see one of the best luchadors face against another one of the best luchadors in this whole world in the history of wrestling. Ray Phoenix versus Penta El Zero. And this was, at first, I thought, oh, it's going to be very much PWG style match once again with Pentagon hitting some kicks, with uh, Phoenix hitting some kicks, then Insigiris, then spinning wheel kicks, everything that he can possibly do for a couple of seconds. But then they kind of fall down, they picked up the pace, and after this, it became uh, much more of the last match, hard hitting, chop hitting, and just overall hard hitting match, until the turning point of this match, Pentagon ripping off Ray Phoenix mask, which was very interesting to see because it showed much more vicious side of Pentagon, and it paid off on the fact that they had this dissension in the. In the Eddie Kingston's family for so long. After this, Pentagon was in control for a long time. Throwing Phoenix on the outside. Beating him up over there. Then bringing him back on the ring. Trying to beat him up as well. But then, Ray Phoenix had his comeback. Hitting some of his incredible maneuvers. And then, trying to rip off, and actually succeeding in this. Rip off his older brother, Mask. And I love absolutely loved how Excalibur and Tony Shivani confronted Eddie Kingston who was in commentary as well that the lucha bros one of the bo- uh, the best teams in the world look what have look what they have done to them since your arrival they became much more unstable they became much more infuriant infuriant against each other they no longer act like a family they lack they act like enemies, and Eddie Kingston just refused to say it was his fault, and JR gave a good analysis that since Eddie Kingston's arrival, Lucha Bros are 9-2 and two in the rankings. You know, they won 9 matches and lost only 2, and that's a good point for Eddie Kingston, you know. I make them victorious, and the fact they have in this match between each other, it, it's whatever we like to fight. We're the family, we're a violent family, and we like to fight. If it's again each other, that's absolutely fine. And then, something that even Eddie Kingston couldn't refuse to understand happened. Pentagon step right onto the ringside, on the apron. Picked up Phoenix and hit him with a pile driver right on the apron, the hardest part of the ring, if you didn't know. And after this, even Eddie Kingston said, Okay, maybe we should call the match. Then, while Ray Phoenix tried to stand up, Pentagon hit a Canadian pile driver on the outside, and that was it. But then he brought him onto the ring, and once again, now in the ring, hit him with a pile driver, ending the match. And, you know what, it was a hard-hitting, very, very brutal match towards the end, and it made a lot of people, if not uncomfortable, then very invested into the story, because it was surprising to see brothers rip off each other's mask, which would be a disqualification in Mexico, but they're not in Mexico and they can do it. This frustration with each other, it all boiled off to this match, and after the match ended, Eddie Kingston came out to the ring and he got a promo saying how great it is that his best friend won. And how he doesn't need Ray Phoenix. Throwing him off the ring saying he doesn't need to carry this dead weight. But then, guess who's back? Back again, it's back. The man who predicted he will be back this week, it actually happened. I take a little bit of credit for this because, you know, I assume, right, they have the tension. And now we're going to see right Phoenix and uh, Pac coming as a team and face against Eddie Kingston and Pentagon. And then down the line, I'm pretty sure Pentagon will reunite with Phoenix and Pack, And we're going to have maybe triples match between Death Triangle and Eddie Kingston and Butchering the Blade. But before this happened, Pac cut a little promo in, Eddie, Eddie Kingston, you may bustard, really angry. And he came to the ring and only like 10 referees could stop him from hitting Eddie Kingston. And I kind of was a little bit disappointed that they didn't do a big blow off. But at the same time, I understand, you don't want to give away this but at the same time, you don't want to make Eddie Kingston look like a coward. He doesn't run back. He doesn't run away from a fight. But he doesn't need to fight this time because it wasn't in his plan. And Bustard could only be stopped by a handpick of referees to actually stop him from beating Eddie Kingston up. I really, really enjoyed this match. And I really, really enjoyed the segment towards the end. And overall, even though... We had a very poor, in my opinion, middle of Dynamite. The beginning and the ending were so good that I, at the end, after watching Dynamite, I said to myself, I quite enjoy the show. And I'm looking forward for next week's Dynamite, where we're going to have Top Flight versus Box where we're going to see Pack versus The Blade, where we're going to see some other interesting matches, and obviously, Inner Circle in Vegas... Yeah, I'm looking forward. And overall, even though I thought this dynamic could have been better, overall, I quite enjoyed it. So, thank you for listening, guys. And as always, hear you soon.